And apparently the fact that he's a pina colada drinker or pina colada drinker, as he says. Is that a tomato tomato? I think so. I've always just said pina. No, it's got the little... Yeah, it's got uh, the accent on top of it. It doesn't have yeah, the accent, but I feel like the pina. song is if you like pina colada. Is it pina? Fuck. If you don't know, it's, it's, it's pina coladas in the song, pina. too. Hmm. It's pina in the song. Pina in the song. That's not, it's not like if you like pina colada. I, yeah. You just said pina. No, he's I saying it doesn't sound right. That. That's what he's saying. It's like, it sounds like pina on the song. Pina colada. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire went 112 episodes over five seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally aired September 29th, 1993. To get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, Nick. Joe, Ferg, and Gordo. What's going on, guys? hey Nope. That's because you are a big flaming pie hole, Carl. So, um, finally, we're doing Grace Under Fire. We've been <laughs> talking about this since, like, episode so two. So excited. Yeah. So fucking excited. I love this show. Also, discovered some crazy things I totally forgot about this show. I forgot that, like, in season five or whatever, Tom Everett Scott comes in as her, like, long-lost son she gave up for adoption when she was, like, a teenager. And this would have been right before That Thing You Do. Oh. So the first time T.E. Scott's came into our lives, like a lot of different stuff. I forgot that there was, I knew there was two Quintons. I forgot there was three Quintons. Three because of je- this episode. And R.I.P. Johnny P. Jules. Yeah, what, I, I was looking through the IMDb. Why are there so many? Well, the first one, and we'll talk about it, I guess, as we get into it, but. Yeah. The, the one in this episode just was one of those got changed after the pilot situations. Okay. And I guess we could, we'll talk about it as we get into the character, I think, um. And then the second one is a much more um, interesting story. Joe, you know about it in decent detail, right? Yeah, like I have I have friends who are friends with him out in oh, Portland. Oh, really? And yeah, I have a bunch of his records. Uh, was very saddened to hear of his uh, very young, untimely passing. Uh, he's actually in the credits of this episode because it Be plays weird, the pilot yeah. with... It doesn't even mention the original Quentin's the name. Actual the actual actor? Yeah, you can't look him up on IMDb. But between between him and Dave Thomas, I think this is the most records I have by a cast of any show we've done so far because <laughs> I have like multiple Soda Pop Kids records and multiple Dave Thomas records, which is when did the Wendy's guy? No, he's no, Gordo. You're confusing him. This is the lesser Dave Thomas. Excuse. Did we tell us on the podcast before the we've day we have gotten yeah. in this argument? Many yes. Times. The day that Jay came into school, all sad that Dave Thomas died, and I was like, "No, I love SCTV." And you're like, "No, the Burger Guy." It's like who gives a fuck that Dave Thomas died? But um, luckily right, the thought, good Dave Thomas is still with us. I thought Joe was going to actually tell the story about the second Quentin, but um, basically, oh, I'm happy to tell it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah well, so. Go ahead. This is It's a weird story, right? So, actually, there's some revisionism that's come across this, too, right? So, classic story, original kid, doesn't work well in the pilot. We replace him for the next, you know, the actual show, much like DJ and Roseanne. Um, so, then we get Quentin number two. Uh, Johnny P. Jules is his uh, musical name. So, I'll just go by that out of respect for him because he didn't like his acting Is the one we career. got in this episode? No, no. No. The first three seasons, but not pilot. Okay. So he was in three seasons of it, and then his mom yanked him off the show because 
the story at the time that I remember very vividly was that Brett Butler showed him her boobs. Or showed him, yeah, so she was like, she flashed him, and that was all over the TV at the time. Like, oh, the show, they, Quentin's gone, because Brett Butler was drunk and on pills and showed this kid her boobs. Uh, so then a few years ago, Vice TV actually did a Dark Side of Comedy series, and they did a long interview with Brett Butler, and she basically said, like, a little of column A, a little of column B. She, like, ripped her shirt off yelling at one of the producers, I think, in some sort of, like, a kind of like a say goodbye to these Arrested Development moment. <laughs> he just happened to be within boob shot yeah, and yeah. saw them. So it's like she, she didn't flash him, like... He saw her nah, boobs, nah, but, nah, but the it, goal but, was not for her to show... Right, she wasn't trying to show a kid her she, boobs, but... She wasn't a pedo. No. She was just and then, and then they got replaced... Uh, he got replaced for a third time. So the her last three seasons, replaced. her boobs, well, well, they, they may have actually, I think they That's, might have actually been replaced. The, the, sto- or the story was she was showing her new boobs. Um, yeah. Um, so then there's a third. She was just new boob Quentin. goofing. <laughs> I mean, she's very sexual. I mean, we get in the first five minutes of this show, we get her being like, I'm too tired to put the pulsator on my pussy. Like, okay, that's what we're doing on this TV show. Let's go for it. That's going to be a factory orgy at one point. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're very close to a factory orgy with so many 80s character actors involved in it that I would have been very happy to watch for that alone. Now, Joe, there would be a factory orgy that you would want to get into. Would this be it? I mean, you've got oil. I guess that's lubricating. I mean, actually, I meant to bring this up already, but I, how do you feel about Brett Butler? Is that a... Is 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 she a Joe girl or is she you too can't young? Categorize her as an older woman. She's thirty five. She's thirty five in this. We're thirty seven. Well, she says she's thirty five. Is she actually thirty five? No, I did. I actually, she it's is. funny because before she said it in the episode, I looked at it because I was. It was one of those things. She to me looks older in this episode than we are. Yes. So I'm thinking yeah. she's in her. I'm thinking she's in her mm-hmm. mid forties in this episode. So to see that she was thirty five kind of surprised me. But that's your question. That no, it's more like, dark-haired older ladies for me usually. No, so she wait has, a like, minute. Struggles with alcohol and pills and stuff. Maybe that's why she looks a little yeah. older than she was at that point. Not that she looked terrible, but it I mean, probably added a couple of years. So she wasn't Hans Molman saying she was thirty-five, but it's yeah. still, yeah. you know. So there's hope for us. Yeah, we're doing fine. To have our own sitcom. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> Well, she was thirty-five. We're like thirty-seven. We're not. Is that, that how you off. perceive why people get sitcoms? Are based on age? Like, there's a menudo rule. <laughs> what the hell is a menudo rule? Uh, after everything that's recently come out about the menudo rules, it's probably not a good avenue to go down right now. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking we'll, about. Uh, we'll talk about that off air. Uh, remind me when we're done because we're already getting very tangenty. I also but, can't um, believe you don't know the menudo rule. It's so weird to me, right? But yeah, no, um, just to go all the way back again, Grace Under Fire was a show that we've talked about doing forever. And it just got to a point where it became, it became like the group pick because we just always brought it up, especially in our earlier, like in our first year, especially in the early parts. So like in our first like 20 to 30 episodes, I feel like we brought up Grace Under Fire all the time. And then here we are, you know, in our third year and we hadn't done it yet. <laughs> So yeah. um, it just got to a point like, why haven't we done it? So here we are finally covering the show. It kind of hits all the marks too, right? It's a sitcom created by people who did all the sitcoms of the time that we like. Yep. It's a person doing a sitcom based on their stand-up routine that always knocks out of the park. It's a per- It's, you know, 
a parent and kids and the wacky friend and the people helping to raise them and the weird neighbor and then the weird friends involved in their lives who become it's very know, classic like, sitcom, it's yeah. perfect sitcom you say so well no i mean it hits all your hand marks. whether or not yeah whether or not you like the show ferg it has nothing to do with the fact that it is very much a like cookie cutter like these are all the staples of what makes a sitcom oh, i'm not saying i don't like it i'm just saying oh. it's not the perfect sitcom oh, i'm not saying it's perfect i'm saying it's the perfect formula sitcom. the formula yeah yeah the formula is perfect it's the carsey warner it's the full house it's the tgif it's all the sitcoms we grew up with sort of carsey warmer the hell is the carsey warner carsey warner <laughs> Car-C you've done warmer. this show with us <laughs> for like a hundred and something episodes at this point We've talked about Carsey Warner like 25 times. Who? Did I miss those episodes? Who? <sighs> you were on all of them, bud. They are a production team who created a lot of sitcoms, including this one. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't remember Carsey Warmer or whatever. Well, no, Carsey Car- Warmer. I do want to uh, bring up, I was a little surprised, I was looking it up, and Rotten Tomatoes had nothing, but not just, I I expect sometimes with older shows to not have, um, like, a critic score, but there wasn't even a tomato meter for, like, fan score, which I took me off guard, maybe because it's not in, like, syndication really anywhere right now. It was for a long time, though, like, when we were kids and teenage years, like, in high school, this was on after school all the time. In the afternoon. Yeah, I remember watching a ton of it. It's one of those shows, I've said this before. Probably because we're so young, and it's not one that has a lot of like modern day staying power. I remember watching a ton of it. I don't remember a lot about the show, but I remember Same. always watching it. But there's like nothing storyline that sticks out with me with this. Me too. I IMDb has it at it. a six point four out of ten. Yeah, I see. I saw that, and that kind of surprised me too. Like I, I would have thought that it was a little bit more regarded. Um, but I guess not. I will say, though, remembering, because I was remembering a lot of it as I was watching this and sort of looking it up again, I think you're always going to have a lower score than you might should have if you have a bunch of cast changes and a bunch of that stuff, right? Like, think of Fresh Prince, like, the mom kept changing and things kept getting weird, right? Like, you get two different versions of the sun after the Yeah, but you're not, but you're not getting a bad score if you look up Fresh Prince. Like, that's going to have a high... I guess that's true, but I, I do add the new person in, right? Like it always kills look at, the show. Look at like, Roseanne. Roseanne was changed. Becky, they changed uh, DJ. DJ. Then well, I'm I'm, I'm considering not the pilot though. Like I'm not counting pilot because that doesn't really count. But you're right about Roseanne. They did change Becky, but they also made jokes about it because then other Becky came back in the last season. And to be able to segue, the creator of this show was yeah. a writer on Roseanne. Um, welcome. He's done. We've covered him before because his his list is insane chuck laurie is that why chuck john laurie, goodman yeah, yeah that's for sure and, and if you look at it just as like as a show creator he's written on a million shows but as oh a creator, chuck laurie the creator of the teenage mutant ninja turtles theme song yes and then shows that we've covered that he created like um he's done the big bang theory um a lot of shows that we haven't covered yet actually like and greg uh two and a half men um bob hart abishola he's he's created so He's actually got a new show coming out soon on HBO Max that looks pretty interesting. How to be a bookie? Yeah. And uh, also, my two favorite, is my three favorite writing credits, Ferg mentioned Ninja Turtles, but also his two other uh, cartoon credits are that yeah. he wrote for Heathcliff, and he wrote for the Toxic Crusa- uh, Crusaders. Just nice. So he's got a trauma connection, and he oh, wrote for awesome. the Superior Orange Cat cartoon of the 80s. No, no, Garfield is the Superior Orange Cat. No, Heathcliff is the Superior one. You're just brainwashed. 
Heathcliff yeah. is amazing, and you are just big. Gar- big Garfield, big Jim Davis, and big Garfield has whitewashed or orange washed the hilarity of Heathcliff and the junkyard cats out of existence right now, and I will not stand for it. Well, I hate Mondays, so oh. Garfield and I everybody have hates Mondays. Everybody likes lasagna. It's not a stand yeah. to have that's wildly out of control. <laughs> so my wife and I do every Monday. We eat lasagna and hate Mondays. Do you actually make lasagna every Monday? Yes, I do, actually. And we every I want to see photographic proof, and I want to see it four times in a row. Because if you're lying, I'm going to force you to eat so many carbs in the next month. <laughs> it's funny for a different reason. I swear to God, we do that. We have an I Hate Mondays day. You eat lasagna every Monday? Every Monday. Because of Garfield? Because of Garfield. I and don't wear matching you. shirts. I don't yeah, I can't you. believe it. Would you go get your wife? Go get my wife. My wife yeah. will not appear on the show. I can't. Well, we don't need name. to see her. We just need to hear you ask as he mutes himself. He's yeah. muted. So he can be like, I have hey, to lie honey, to the guys right now. Here? Can you tell them this? <laughs> you know, we don't want you on camera. I want you. Well, here's what I want you to do. Keep her off camera. I want you to just ask her the question. What do we eat every Monday? Okay, fine. Okay. Can you just come here for a sec? We just need, yeah, we right. just need the audio. <laughs> honey. Oh, you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> I hate Monday's lasagna. What do we do every Monday? We eat lasagna and hate Mondays. In our Garfield hates Mondays t-shirts. So why don't you guys shut the fuck up? Wow. I'll take it. I'll take the L when I'm proven and wrong. Actually, you know what? Gordo still takes the L on this. <laughs> How do I take the L on Being this? true is somehow worse than lying about it. <laughs> Imagine. What? I think that's adorable. Why don't you guys, you know, you're just jealous that it's, you don't um, have fucking. I'll give, you, I'll give you a little bit of an adorable factor. I also like the idea of we're in the summertime and there's going to be days where it's like oh my God, so 97 degrees on a Monday. And you're like, we have to eat the lasagna, though. It's Monday. I, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I've eaten lasagna maybe 20 times in my life really like yeah it's just really? it's such a heavy cheesy dish like i, I make one every thanksgiving but that's the only time of year we have it is every money are you making this from scratch like no 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 you're you doing stofers? like stofers no not stofers no you get the they, there's a good it's a brand called uh alfredo's they're pretty good um Alfredo's then, Pizza Kitchen or yeah. Pizza, pizza by, by Alfredo's? Alfredo's or it's a, Alfredo's it's a white kitchen. it's a white box. It says Alfredo's. Is it a oh, hot Alfredo's square of garbage or is it very good? <laughs> no, it's actually pretty decent. It's pretty decent. Um, we've also had uh, Rayo's R A O Rayo's. I was just having a discussion they about Rayo's last night. They get good sauce because they yeah, had so uh, the good vodka sauce last yeah, night. Yeah, the, the lasagna. It's okay. It's not not terrible. Not terrible. Yeah, they also have a good keto-friendly sauce. Yeah, that's why they got yeah, popular, keto- actually, yeah. Rayos. Yes, they are jealous of our lasagna nights, honey. All right. Yeah, exactly. They do. We're not jealous. We can have it anytime. I mean, they'll have lasagna <laughs> week, huh? he's that They're not jealous. They can have lasagna anytime. Tell them they are jealous of having that you have a cool wife. Yes. <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man. You know what I had for dinner tonight? Ice cream. I was going to say, probably, probably cookies. She can't <laughs> hear you, Ferg. That was to you. Oh. Yes. Don't lie. I just said it was to you. <laughs> Tell her Ferg said something awful. Tell her Ferg okay. said something awful. Like what? Um, this is like 
impractical joke business <laughs> that I get put on the couch. Anyways, moving on. This is right, not yeah. a good list. Yeah, there's a. Uh, we're gonna on. have to get into this episode because I think there's a lot of meat on the bone in this episode. Anyway, so to keep you guys not uh, having a, a super jumbo episode, uh, we might as well get right into the show. So it starts with just narration, and we see Grace's like wedding photo, and the husband's head's cut out, and there's just like a hand. That's like replacing the head of where her husband's head would have been in the photo, which is different things like a chimp and Hitler. <laughs> and it was almost like they opened the <laughs> door and the Muppet Babies. All of a sudden, Hitler was there. I thought that was not the real intro. No, no, no. That, so this is... We'll get into that. Okay. That's the opening we'll of the in, We'll get into it in a moment. Yeah. yeah. So um, and during that, she's... Um, the narration's explaining that, you know, she's talking about her ex-husband... Starts with the line about how he got in a fight at their wedding with the accordion player for not knowing Led Zeppelin. They had an accordion player at the wedding. Was I mean that yeah. sounds like it tracks. Is it's it like polka. Like why would you have an accordion player? If they were in the south, if they were in like Louisiana, where like Zydeco and all that stuff's yeah. going on, I'd be like sure. But they're in Alabama. It's not like a huge no. Polka so culture. I guess the show is supposed to take place in Missouri. No, though, she's oh, moving to Missouri, I thought. She's from, but like... she's from Alabama. She's from, like, down there, yeah, but... But she's moving with the kids in the beginning. I thought that they were moving to Missouri. Yes. I don't... I thought oh, that yeah, was they the might have too, still yeah. been down south when they got married. That's a good point. Man, Alabama to Missouri. That's... Uh, was there no... Were all the other roads closed? <laughs> it's like, this <laughs> is your one path. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> There's people who listen to us in all states, um, and I haven't Not been... Wyoming. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, apparently this guy was like the ultimate redneck. And after eight years and three kids, she finally decided to leave. And now from there, we cut to her driving the car with the three kids and the two oldest are like fighting with their balloons. And I was really confused because it was like shot single camera style. Like it, it has like a cinematic look. And I was like, I don't remember this show looking like this. And I it was one of those, it changes later on. But wh- as I'm watching this, I'm like, is this like a Happy Days thing where the first season looks completely different? Like, I just couldn't remember. It's just the intro. Pilots experiment, you know. If you remember, we did Roseanne, also Chuck Lorre's show. They did the whole moving camera thing through the um, uh, through the warehouse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the track camera. And while these kids are playing with their balloons, he's warning them, like, hey, what's the rule about playing with the balloons? Like, don't. What's the punishment? Death. <laughs> like, so apparently these kids have been trained that um, playing with balloons, she'll murder the two of them in cold blood. It sets up a good dynamic, though, of how the kids and the mom get together. There's like one quick joke to be like, okay, I see how this goes. Yeah, and then the kids start asking about like their dad and if he's ever going to move back and things like that. And she, she's telling them, like, hey, it's well, no. But, like, it's good to ask questions because they, they were kind of fearful. Like, is it okay that we're asking this? When she asks, hey, any other questions, the daughter, Libby, um, asks where farts come from. So I know that that probably tickled the Gordo was one over. <laughs> yes. Yes. I did not like the uh, explanation. Well, she just says that she usually just blames the dog. The I dog mean, usually dog... says that about Gordo. Yeah, my, I mean, my dog lays some stinky fights, but... I thought one interesting thing here, too, that happened is that he asks if he can get a BB gun, which is, like, a long-standing 
kind of running gag of this episode. Yeah, but he looks so much like Ralphie. Yeah, he in does. Chris's story that I felt like they wrote that gag because the kid showed up with his hair and those glasses, and we're like, okay, well, like let's write this joke into it. I would well, be her shocked initial, if that's not the case. The initial reply is that he'll shoot his eye out. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like that, yeah. I'm sure that they wrote that joke because I saw him. We're like, oh well, let's just do this and we'll make the reference. And that son, Quentin, also is telling his mom that um, Patrick, who's like the baby of the three kids, is choking on gum. So she has to like pull over to like check on him. How did the little kid get gum? <laughs> How did that baby one of get the kids. gum? He can't. One of the kids. Yeah. As long as that baby has many teeth, either, which is tough for gum. Yeah. As somebody who's spent a <clears throat> considerable amount of time around babies lately. They they end up with things in your mouth that you didn't even know you had. Like they just fucking everything goes in their mouth. So there could have just been a stick of gum somewhere, and that's all it took. And maybe it was on the back of the seat because one of the kids stuck it there and grabbed it. And uh, for ABC those of you listening, just just to catch you guys up, usually um like a few times a week, Nick likes to go by like local nurseries and daycares and just like hang out with the kids for a little while and then go to. <laughs> that's a nice public service. So um. <laughs> While Why do you pulled- have to make everything weird? Because I saw <laughs> Joe smirking when I said that, too. The both of you are so fucking strange. It's not even funny. I'm you guys sorry. Are if creepy, pedo-minded weirdos. Anybody puts whatever they can in their mouths. I I'm do talking not about have fucking the brain- children. <laughs> oh, psychotic little weirdo. First off, what Joe said, I didn't comment, and there were such so many obvious jokes that I didn't take. I left it. I left that on the floor. I went with something different. And if you want to take that as like a pedo thing, I was just kind of making it a creepy thing that you were just hanging out with random kids. If you want to take it there, that's some weird blind guilt. I don't know what to say. I wasn't talking but, about you or babies. I was just laughing because I'm five. And so it says they'll put anything in their mouth. I immediately am going to start laughing. And there goes the last of the new fans we got from <laughs> So this is... Downloaded really crazy. well, but then it it's undownloaded somehow. Yeah. How, how are our downloads going down? I didn't even know that's a thing. It's what but, they call it, downloads. Right. So uh, anyways, while she's pulled over, um, a police officer pulls up and heads over to the window and mentioned earlier, John Goodman. And now, as I like read up and like saw, okay, the creator of the show, the tie into Roseanne, he was a writer on the show, like... You kind of understand it, but at the time, I'm like, the fuck is John Goodman doing? Right? Hey, good yeah, pull. Yeah, me too. I, got. Like, I right. didn't even realize pull. it was a Chuck Lorre show at the time. King Ralph. And he is he like... to be in your episode. You let him have it. Roseanne was what? 88, 89? Yeah. Yeah. Start. The show was still so, running at the time. Th- this is like height of John Goodman popularity, too, that he's just randomly showing up in the pilot of another show. Oddly enough, uncredited. That's and I, I don't understand yeah. how that happened. This might be the same year, too, that he did The Babe, when he was, like, doing kind of, like, interesting, weird roles, too, where he was like, I'm going to play Babe Ruth in a movie. This was before his greatest role of uh, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, we don't talk about that movie. (laughs) We do uh, talk about, though, the episode that spurned that on of Roseanne, live Blues Traveler scene. (laughs) So he pulled her over because she was, like, weaving while she was driving and also in a a non-stopping zone. But I feel like... She she approaches it differently, but I think in that moment you can just say, "Hey, my kid was choking. I had to stop yeah, the car." Yeah, I thought the yeah. same thing. Yeah, That's me enough. Too. But instead, she just kind of like goes on and on about like everything going on in her life right now. She's like talking about how hard it is, like how 
like with being a single mom with the kids and she has no social life and no sex life. Doesn't even have time to put the shower head on pulse. <laughs> and he's like calling for backup while she's like going on this whole rant. Yeah, I thought that was good. Kind of risky play though. I mean, it worked in the end, but could have easily gone. She's driving erratically and she's saying she she's an killer un- yeah, kids. We gotta take fit. these kids away from her. Like Well, an even riskier move is when you start saying, Just shoot me. Like I can't yeah. keep living like this. Waste me, Smokey. Yeah, she's mentioned sex a bunch of times, mentioned that her children are a mess right now and she wants to be shot by you. Like yeah. that's take your kids away from you, call the Not ninety three. Yeah, no, Different not time. 93. Also it was enough very, to scare him away. Also it, it, very dangerous. She gets pulled over and gets out of the car. You never get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, that you was don't weird. do that. Yeah, it's but, like uh, a Ted yeah. Bundy move right there. He scared her off, or she scared him off, and he slowly backs away and she says, you know what? Let's call this one a warning. And she gets in the car and tells her kids, like, oh, it works every time. So apparently this happens a lot. But a so, fun um, cameo. Overall pro John yeah. cameo. It's just interesting yeah. to see that it was shot this way, coming into like a more standard sitcom. So to have this like cinematically shot first scene, like really threw me off. But uh, not that okay. it was a bad thing. It was just I was very confused by it. Speaking of other eighties classics thing. too, this kind of reminded me of the car they're in is basically the Griswold family truckster, but it's red, and then they get pulled over mm-hmm. by the state trooper, which is just like the scene in Vacation where they get pulled over because they have the dog attached to the back of the car. It felt very much like a vacation reference. Oh, he's not just attached. He's being dragged for miles. <laughs> <laughs> Probably kept it for a little while. Poor little guy. <laughs> so uh, from there, we get into the intro, which, Ferg, this is this is where it was different. So the intro yeah, in this confused. video. Yeah. Very much like a very 90s music video kind of look to it. And Oof, it was just, man. The just one her we driving saw. around <laughs> and like quick cuts. And it was like the theme we hear here is uh, Perfect World by Michael O'Brien. The most, like, 90s, like, kind of that, like, pop grunge, like, music that was going on around then. It's kind of like the Gin Blossoms trying. Yes. It's like the Gin Blossoms meets the Rembrandt song from Friends. Yeah, I was going to say Gin Blossoms, too. Um, yeah. But that was what we watched was, like, in most of you who do watch Grace Under Fire, if you catch it anywhere, uh, if it's streaming anywhere now or um, if you have the I DVDs. think it's on Freebie on Amazon. So when you do that, you'll catch this intro, and that was the intro that was used basically from like seasons three to five, I believe. But the original intro, and I sent you guys the link. Originally, was completely different. It was um also just like an acid footage trip. of her kind of getting through life, but it was like more in color and her home with the kids and her at work. But the Aretha Franklin version of Lady Madonna was the song that they used in the first now, did, two seasons. Did that intro have the other kid in it? Because the kid I saw running around didn't look like the kid from this episode. It's it's the Quentin from seasons one through three is in the okay. in, in the um, syndication trailer. Okay, so that's oh, the okay. other Quentin. All right. I did not I know like what he looks the, like. <laughs> I did not like the other intro. The Lady Madonna one you didn't like? No. I didn't like that version of Lady Madonna. Uh, my thing, well, regardless of how you feel about it versus like the Beatles version... I think that song and intro was kind of a better fit for the show than this, like, Gin Blossoms-like intro that they went with for the later. It just doesn't fit. Yeah, it doesn't fit at all. Her character yeah. or the no, story, yeah. like, you Agreed. know? So, and like, also, in the black and white one, she's driving around in, like, a perfectly restored classic 50s car. So, like, you get the Gin Blossoms song, and then you get her in, like, a very expensive car, and then it cuts to her, and she's like... We don't have money, Quentin. You're like, well, that's not the same show. I don't know what's happening here. 
Well, back then, an old car was just an old car. It wasn't like vintage. It was a shitty old car. Yeah. I think in 1993, a car from 1950 is still like a classic though, right? Yeah, true. So after that, we get to the first scene of like post intro and we get the exterior shot of the house. And now we cut to Grace entering Quentin and Libby's room. Like I said, from this point forward, it's like standard three camera, which I thought was like, I don't know. It just really like confused me at first that we went from one to the other, like mid episode like that. No, not really, because it was sitcoms generally sometimes tend to do that when they're driving. And, like, it's almost like those on-location shots. Like, I know, maybe not pilots that we covered, but, like, when, like, sitcoms go on location, like Disney World or one of those things, they'll usually go to, like, the single camera shot. Those won't be a three-camera Yeah, shot, it was just, so. I don't know, a weird way to start your show. The first yeah. visual you're getting of the show is away from your standard format. It's different most, than everything else you get. Most sitcoms would have had her, them in the car and just had, like, the screen moving behind them. Yeah. It's obviously that they're not really in a car. Oh, well, they're in a car, but not really outside. What also, like, in this scene, what kind of caught me was the fact that Libby and Quentin share a room. And I understand that, like, there's a money factor that goes into a lot of this. Like, she says that, you know, she's pretty low on funds, but I can't think of any other show where a brother and sister share a bedroom. <sighs> That's no. a good question. Um, no. A brother and a sister sharing a bedroom on... I mean, step-siblings, maybe, but... <laughs> any shows with twins? I can't think of anything right now. I'm like, no. I it just, like, I was, I was thinking about it as I was, you know, doing my notes, and it just really kind of stumped me. If any of you out there know... Yeah. Chime Let in. us know on social media. S21pod.com, S21pod on Twitter and Instagram. I didn't mention that earlier. So, yeah, go ahead and follow us on socials. And, yeah, if you can think of any shows where a brother and sister um, shared a bedroom on a sitcom or anything, let us know about it. It did yeah, happen we'll on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Behind we'll the send scenes. You something. Not when they were fighting over the room for oh, Greg right. and Marsha. Oh, yeah. I was so, thinking um, Brady Bunch, but. That wasn't permanent or anything. I'm just yeah. one scenario. So she's putting the two to bed, and Grace asks Quentin what's in the box on his bed, and it's a frog what's he in found. in the box? Yeah. It's a frog, and first off, I felt like just even her initial reaction was not like, why is there a frog in the house? Like, she was like, oh, cool, let me look at it. And she opens the box and discovers that, like, oh, this is a very dead frog. He's like, well, yeah, like, I hit it with a really real bat. It's like, what? I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I, me too, yeah. This little ser- this little serial killer kind of killed yeah. a lot yeah. of it for This me. is like sociopathy coming out. Like everything that happens in his story arc in this is like, oh, okay, this kid's gonna end up killing people, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like all the ingredients are there. Yeah. She she tells him that every time he hurts a small animal, a clown will die. <laughs> so also very weird. <laughs> that make a lot of people happy. There's a lot of people yeah. who are afraid of clowns. I was, yeah, I don't I was know a kid. That would, I don't know if that would discourage him. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what the better thing now is. It's like every time you do puppies? that, somebody will shoot Bluey in the face. Like, what do you tell a kid now? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you this. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story, but I used to have, a, when I was a like a kid kid, I used to have a reoccurring dream uh, with a clown that like scared me. And it was, was this because... before or after your behavioral therapy? Um, I don't know, I, mean, I, I don't remember. Probably before. Guessing but, um, before. <laughs> but, uh, no, so I never knew what that was about. I just, like, it was, like, a quick thing. Like, I never have, like, extensive dreams. But what that was, was, um, my mom told me later, when I was, like, two, they took me to the circus and we're, like, in the front row. 
and a little person clown, I guess, jumped up in front of me and just was like, hey, like, and it just scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And like, that must have been just in my brain for years. And like, it just fucking haunted me forever. I would have bet money that Pee Wee's Big Adventure did it. No, that's, that's why that I was terrified. Terrifying. Large Marge. Uh, <laughs> they had a that another pivot when, so we had like a VHS tape of Pee Wee's Big Adventure that my parents had to like cut that scene out, like record it over the Large Marge part because it scared <laughs> me so much as a kid. I used to run away from that all the time as a kid too. I love that we, part. Weird clown thing. Uh, is kind of off topic, but interesting. Are you guys familiar with the Jerry Lewis movie, The Day of the Clown Cried? No, I've heard no. of it. I've never no. seen it. Yeah, so no one's seen it really, right? Like wacky Jerry Lewis, like, oh, why? Hey, I'm Nutty Professor Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Whatever. Glad he made, man. Yeah, he made a movie in the 70s where he's a clown who gets uh, rounded up by the Nazis and put into a concentration camp. It's supposed to be one of like the weirdest, most depressing movies ever made. So it got shelved and like never came out. And it's always been this like thing of lore, like, oh, the day the clown cried. And then, like, everyone was like, when Jerry Lewis died, they were like, well, maybe we can see it now because, like, he's not stopping it. But I think it actually goes into the public domain next year. So to this day, nobody has seen it? I think, like, anybody involved in the production has seen it. And Jerry Lewis probably screened it for some people because he had a copy, supposedly, all these years. But there's, like, injunctions that you can't, like, screen it. You can't put it out on video or, you know, have it play in film, uh, like, film festivals or anything. But it's like this weird thing everyone's up with. Like, if you know about this weird movie, it's like, oh, I want to see this crazy movie he made. And we might actually all be able to see it. That would be a weird Patreon movie. But like, guys, switching gears here. Clown in a concentration camp movie. <laughs> the, the pivot to him, like, entertaining the Nazis. <laughs> Forget the lift. Like, it could be. It could be that weird, right? Like, there's got to be something in there where he was like, this isn't going to play well. Let's not put this movie out. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> um, hey, before- it was clown related. Yeah, before Grace leaves the room, uh, Quentin asks again if he can have a BB gun, um, which he did ask earlier. And she's like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking when I told you no early. Like, let me go put my fuzzy pink slippers on and head over to the BB gun store right now and get you the biggest one they got. So, yeah, the kid um, who kills a frog with a bat now wants a gun. Like, it sucks. Yeah. He's a a murderer. Um, I'll say this. Don't worry, Mama. I'll just kill him with a chair. Like, well, that's not a good thing either, bud. (laughs) I'll find a rock. Um, There is a... um, when she delivered that line, I thought she showed like a really good energy and delivery on that one. She's great throughout all of this. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but her whole thing with uh, John Goodman as a cop is like a monologue and she's funny and she's doing different yeah. ranges of emotion. She's going to sad. She's going to angry. And it's great. Oh, we see a lot more of that throughout the episode, too. Yeah, I think Brett Butler did a great job in this episode. And it's funny because, again, this was uh, just to tell you, like, as far as my notes go, when... Not knowing who the creator was at this point, I wrote down kind of like a southern single Roseanne. And you, you can kind of see yeah. how he came off of working on that show and the, like those droplets were in his head. Like the, there's no way that Roseanne did not inspire this show. Like they found the right comedian and they're like, okay, there's something here. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad. It feels like a show like this just isn't ever going to happen anymore. This does feel like the kind of sitcom that's like so far gone. That you'd have to make it quirky somehow, too. But, like, it's about her. But instead of working in an oil refinery, she writes an article for a local alternative press newspaper. Like, no, don't do that. Or, like, she presses her own juice in the back. No, don't do that. Like, make this shit real and not weird and fucking 
I write songs that are ukulele. Like, it's what all TV shows are turning into. Uh, now. We get it, Joe. You hate New Girl. Oh, I fucking hate New Girl so much. <laughs> Such so, a good show. You're the worst. I take that as a compliment. So um, now we cut to Grace downstairs in the kitchen. And she's washing dishes when her friend Nadine pops uh, her head in, like, the window. And Nadine's played by Julie White, who most of you would best know from the show Cavemen. You know what two- I best knew her from, actually? Because it, it drove me crazy when I saw her. She was super familiar. She, the the thing I know her from is the mom from the or like original Shia LaBeouf Transformers movies. And yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be a show or something like that, but that was what I know her from. I mean, that's she's a done a lot role. of work. She's yeah, a pretty I, extensive. No, yeah, she's career. been in a bunch of stuff. But that's like a movie everybody has seen too. So like that's a that's a standout. But I think Caveman probably more so, but because she was in all like all thirteen episodes. But you know whatever. It's weird for me to say this, but I've seen Caveman, and I've never seen any of the Transformers movies. Me too. Wow. I win. <laughs> so, um, these two obviously best friends, and she invites Nadine in, and uh, Nadine's telling her how husband number two just walked into the bar tonight. She works at a bar. Uh, Cletus. And it's one of those, no disrespect <laughs> to anyone listening who has the name Cletus. That's a name that I've never met anyone in real life who has that name, and it's always used to like be the default name for like a like a hillbilly character on a television show. Like Cletus on the Simpsons. Slack John Yoko. Yeah. Yeah. I can call my mom from up here. But I've never like (laughs) met a Cletus. I don't know if Cletus is supposed to be like a nickname for a different name. It's also the dad's name in um the Nutty Professor movie. Not the one Joe was talking about earlier. Oh, not one Jerry Lewis. Hey. The Eddie Murphy one. Come on, Cletus. <laughs> oh, my God. Come Wet on. noodle, Cletus. You're right. Shit, that seems <laughs> yeah. so funny. The hunted, horny grandma Eddie Murphy scene. It's the best thing ever. Oh, my poor wife who's going to have to watch that tonight when we go to bed now. <laughs> Wet noodle, Cletus. <laughs> <laughs> so Nadine like, finds out that... um. Cletus is now remarried and has kids. Now, Grace is telling Nadine about how she just got a new job at the oil refinery and it might turn into a permanent because, you know, she's just getting temp jobs to, you know, pay the bills and whatnot now. And Nadine's like, well, now you need a permanent guy. And Grace says she only needs one for about a half hour because horny Grace. In that half an hour, she could muster up enough energy to put the pulsator on the shower head. Yeah, she could just get get in the shower. Less work. So Nadine mentions um, that she thinks she met somebody that would be perfect for her, and she would have gone for the guy herself, but, you know, she's married. So we now know that she's on at least husband number three, right? Because husband number two is just at the bar. He's not in this episode, but he's one of the main characters of this whole show, too, Wade. And that actor, I forget his name, but he shows up in tons of stuff all the time still. And Grace is like, well, where did you meet him? It's like, oh, he goes to the bar, and he's a pharmacist. She's like, oh, great. He's an alcoholic with access to drugs. <laughs> and apparently the fact that he's a pina colada drinker or pina colada drinker, as he says. Is that a tomato tomato? I think so. I think I've always pina. just said pina. No, it's got pina. the little yeah, it's got uh, the accent on top of it. It doesn't have yeah, the accent. I feel like pina. the song is if you like pina colada. Is it pina? If you know, it's, 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 it's pina coladas in the song, too. It's pina in the song. Pina in the song. No, it's not. It's not like if you like pina colada. I, yeah. You just uh, said pina. No, he's I saying it doesn't sound right. That. That's what he's saying. It's like, it sounds like, like pina on the song. Pina colada. 
But regardless, uh, the thought process is because that's what he drinks, he can't be an alcoholic. Um, that's typically just not what they drink. I don't know if there's any validity to that. But uh, we brought this up before, too, though. It's like when Richard Lewis was on Howard Stern. He's like, I've been an alcoholic for 10 years. And I was like, what do you drink? He's like, I don't drink hard liquor. I just drink champagne. And they're making fun of him for being an alcoholic <laughs> who only drank champagne. It's like the <laughs> meanest thing to do to an alcoholic and make fun of them. But So Grace says, all right, well, maybe we could set something up in a couple weeks. And she's like, well, it's going to have to be sooner than that because he's currently in the yard. Like, what, what the fuck are you doing? You can't yeah. just. First, are you yeah. want to set them up? Sure. Having him just wait around in the yard is also weird. Imagine being this guy, by the way. Like, it's just a weird dynamic. Oh, I think, you know, my friend would really like you. I'm going to bring you over to her house, but I'm not going to tell her. And I just want you to hide in the yard until I can properly introduce you. What? I like the, how this obviously plays out to her, too. She's like, you'll like him, okay? She's recently divorced. She's got three children, one of whom is a fucking baby. She's an <laughs> oil refiner. Oh, and most of her is blonde. And he's like, all right, fuck it, let's go. This sounds like too good of a catch to mess up on. And she left out that one of the kids is a serial killer. Yeah. Yes. Also, one of the kids, I hope you don't have any frogs or chairs in your house because problems will arise. <laughs> Eventually, uh, she brings this guy in. And again, the bad Dave Thomas. I oh, fuck you so hard. <laughs> You'd fuck me so hard? I'd fuck Dave Thomas so hard. <laughs> Which one? Oh, the good one. Again. The burger guy? The, burger the good guy. one. The one who's in Rat Race, one of the greatest movies of all time, starring John <laughs> See, Lovitz. I didn't, know, I didn't know this guy's name was Dave Thomas. Yeah, in real life his name is Dave Thomas. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, um, SCTV. I, obviously, Listen, I, I have nothing against this Dave Thomas. I'm just saying, if we're going to rank the Dave Thomases, Burger guy, guy is number, is two. number one. Yeah. The only Thomas I, 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 I disagree. tells me to get my T levels up, okay? Frank Thomas is the only Thomas we accept here on the podcast. So when um when they introduce themselves to uh, one another, this is when we find out that Grace's full name is Grace Kelly, and and, you know like the movie star. And (laughs) I thought that was kind of a weird decision, unless that's going to be like a running joke every time she introduces someone uh, herself to somebody. But then she says Grace Kelly. She's like, but I'm a better driver, which is like just dunking on the fact that Grace Kelly died in a car crash like that's like a weird fucking punching down and it wasn't even like she didn't die in a car crash because she was driving erratically she had like a medical emergency and drove off a cliff yeah like she wasn't just like thelma and louising it or wasn't drunk it's like just like and she sucks at driving the dumb like whoa that's fucking hard man yeah for our younger um users and me can you say who grace kelly is she was a movie star from like the 50s She's in a bunch of the Alfred Hitchcock movies. She's in, like, Dial M for Murder. She's in um, Rear Window, also parodied by The Simpsons very well. Yeah. Um, she's uh, in High I Noon know who it is. with Gary it's Cooper. Yeah, you'll, you'll know who she is if you saw her. So Nadine's like, you know what? Let me leave the two of you alone. And they both go, no. So, um, and then, I don't know. I would say right off the bat, to me, I don't think these two have great chemistry. Now, regardless of how you feel about Dave no. Thomas... I don't think these two look like a match. And for them to be like, instead of like, yeah, we should talk about dating. It just didn't, it didn't look right visually. And I feel like they didn't vibe well enough that that would compensate for it. This is a hard thing for me. Like, I hate disassociating yourself from the pilot, but this is smart writing because Dave Thomas stays on the show forever and becomes one of her best friends and like helps about the kids and everything. 
So I think they're trying to write like, hey, this is a guy you get along with. He likes the kids. You trust him. But like, he's obviously not a romantic interest. It's just like a way to, for him to get right. into. But watching this episode, show. we don't yeah. know how? that it's going to evolve that way. Do you know how old he is at the time? I don't. We look. Hold on. We can do because a little quick search. For me, a lot of them, not. it looked like he's substantially older than her. And I think it's just the way he looks. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I think but that I could bet be the chemistry, it's... why they don't look right together. I want to make but it I... known that when I went to Google Dave Thomas, uh, the good one comes up first. I fucking hate you. <laughs> so he's 74, and I think she's like... He was 44 at the time, right? Yeah, so... so 10 years, 9 years older. Yeah. So there is an age gap, but... um. But he's a local pharmacist. And it's funny because, like I said earlier, that she's someone who kind of looks older than she is, but so is he. So <laughs> it, uh, so it, so it, like she didn't catch up to him. Like he, he had that same jump. Yeah, he legitimately looks like a pharmacist. Yeah, he does. it's it's very he good, does. like job yeah. casting. Like, what do we make him? Like, <laughs> pharmacist works, right? The two of them decide to sit down, just like because Dave brings up that he just came out of a bad relationship. And he asks questions for her. And I think that's the biggest red flag. And she should be like, no, thank you. Why don't you leave? But instead, the two of them sit down and they're like, let's compare how shitty our exes are. I get they're both coming out of bad relationships. But I don't know. Dating 101. Don't just talk about your ex as soon as you meet somebody. It's like a terrible, terrible way to start a relationship. I wonder if the stakes change, though. Mind you, she doesn't want to date this guy. She's getting forced. Maybe she's trying to drive him away. Yeah. And they're doing this, like, back and forth where they're both kind of going over, like, things that their exes did that they want to make sure that the that this new person, potential new person, doesn't do themselves. And so they're just kind of doing that back and forth thing. Ever have sex with your psychiatrist came up <laughs> from, he asks uh, Grace that. She goes... Russell, look around. Does it look like I can afford a psychiatrist? And they are bonding over the fact that their exes are both terrible. It's working. And um, agree to go on a date because of it. I just think that, again, it's if, if we're going to go into some sort of realism and get out of the sitcom world, just don't do that. If you, if you meet someone for the first time there's any romantic interest, don't bring up your ex right away. Also, even with uh, insurance, psychiatry and therapy is like stupidly expensive. It's mm. more expensive than it needs to be. There's an issue in this country. And if like um betterhelp.com wants to like sponsor us, we'll take some sponsors. I will say betterhelp yes, but I will never let him sponsor us because I will just go insane about all the terrible things they did to me that made me almost go insane. Thank you, Hims. I try to jump out of a moving car. Hims for the for anybody <laughs> who needs it. Like I would love that ad read so fucking much. Well, cross that my one brain off the fried. potential. I looked yeah. good because I lost 30 pounds, but then I tried to kill myself twice. I was trying to jump in front of a fire truck. Thank you, Hims. Last summer was fucking bananas. <sighs> Guess so. Okay, well, um, don't try really? typing in S1E1 on the Hims.com website. Yeah, I will not allow. I will not take any yeah. of their money. Veto power. Now, at least you can get hot. <laughs> yeah, the, the dick pill. I mean, uh, to be mental... fair, my first mistake was being like, I need hard drugs from people who sell boner pills. Like, that's on me. I <laughs> fucked that up. I put you poorly at first. I shouldn't have trusted them. Sometimes when you take a step back, you go, oh, yeah, now that I look at this in the big picture. <laughs> so uh, in the new scene, we see Grace at work for the first time, and a guy walks up to her and he's like, 
Hey, sweet pea, I know the only reason you got this job is because you're a chick and the company caved into chick pressure. I laughed stupidly hard at caved into chick pressure. I don't know why that line was so funny to me. Uh, all the guys at this workplace are the typical like cartoon version of what a guy is at like a They're like the a guys who end work. up on the uh like the tool time. Like all those construction yeah. guys yeah, yeah. that show up from time to time the as t- guests. the cat collar type of guys. Yeah, they're all It's like character like... actor heaven too. The guy who makes all those jokes where he's like chick pressure, the long hair. He's the guy who uh gets the foamy mouth and causes the main accident to happen in the fugitive. Like it's like people who are just like <laughs> in these weird things that you see you're like, I know that guy. Like, one guy's in, like, MacGyver episodes I recognized him from. One guy's in, um, he was the captain on Hunter for years, which is a great 80s cop show. It's Second like, time I love... Hunter's been brought up. Imagine so if you good. can, like, see into Joe's brain when he watches TV and you just see the database, like, trying to figure out where he knows them from at all times. And it's yeah. just random episodes of whatever bullshit. Oh, the, there's a there's a great where do you know person from in this scene coming up in just one moment. So, um, I do like her reply to him when she's saying, like, oh, no, I actually hired me just to have sex with all the smart guys here. Too bad for you. <laughs> but, um. That's a good comeback. Yeah, she, she's, I mean, she's quick with him, and we'll get yeah, into she, it throughout the scene, but she does a good job of, like, I acknowledge that I'm a woman who works in this job that has no women, but, like, I can go toe-to-toe with you guys. Yep, yep. And, um. She is one of two women that were recently hired, and it was, like, done specifically for diversity. The boss walks in and tells everybody, like, hey, we have to do some gender sensitivity training. And it's like, what an uncomfortable way to point a finger at the two new girls. (laughs) Be like, hey, we clearly just hired two women because we didn't have any here, and now we all have to go through this training because of these two new women who are walking in for the first time. And this woman, too. Uh, Becky Thayer is her name. Do you know who she is? I was like, where do I know her from? Where do I know her from? She's in a the, bunch of stuff. My memory bank was going, and I realized she's the girl in PCU who screams, Stop the penis party! <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes! It's the Stop the Penis Party girl from PCU. I'm so fucking happy. Also, like John Goodman, uncredited in the episode. Like, That's so what's weird. going on here? And she has, like, a speaking role. Like, both of them. She's Goodman, a named character with a first and last name. Most Please. of the other guys don't get both of those, you know? Yeah. When they find out about the training, this guy again goes, I got your gender right here. How'd you like to train it? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys me are sexist and, for laughing. So <laughs> me in 10 years? Because that's something I would definitely say. And um, Gordon's been fired for so many jobs for saying that unprompted for no reason. On not at one. my job, but I would actually say that too. One well, of the, it to the heat miser. <laughs> One of the guys asked the boss, what kind of harassment can I do? And I'll say this. This is going to be like one of those tough conversations, right? A third gentleman speaks up and says, hey, my brother's been on the waiting list for three years to get a job here. And now you just hired these two skirts. Now, I'm not saying calling them skirts is the right approach, but valid point, right? They got to cut the line for the just we need women here. So, Well, um, if you remember in the time frame, that's what was happening. Affirmative action. Not to not to say that it's not a good thing or a bad thing. No po- politics, but that's the time. <laughs> and no politics now. They're talking about pulling it back. You know? <laughs> it's not. It's not dancing around the subject. It's. A, I'm it's saying Goro is. Oh, it's one of those things where listen, having well, the debate does s- no good, right? Like there's the, yeah, there's no use having the debate about how anyone feels about that. All I'm saying is 
this guy's perspective, my brother's been waiting three years for a job here. He has a valid point where everything else, everything else is being said other than the fact that he called them skirts. This is everyone just being like super sexual harassment. They he does have a like, legitimate gripe. They should have slid in a joke like, yeah, well, your brother's also on meth or something like that. Like, yeah, that, that would have helped. Yeah. That would have been like, that's great. Yeah, that's better writing. Be like, yeah, well, he's X, Y, and Z. And that's why he doesn't get it. Yeah. He's a drunk or whatever. Your brother fucked my wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time the F word was ever used. On this, yeah. this <laughs> the groundbreaking episode of Grace Under Fire with the phrase, well, you fucked my wife. <laughs> So um, the boss is continuing to go over some of this training, and he's going over terms that you can't call these women. Skirt's being on the list already, so um, uh, let's strike one on that guy. That's when um, that dude, his name's Carl, the guy who says, I got your gender right here, <laughs> said, um, how come nobody's ever sensitive about what they call me? And that's when the boss, Joe, your uh, intro to the episode today, was um, <laughs> the boss calls Carl a big flaming pie hole. It gets like a nice reaction out of everybody. Which now, but what does that mean? I thought yeah, I didn't that know it too. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I think that. it was like a mix of a lot of things, right? The flaming made, implies like a gay disparagement. And yeah. just pie hole is just your mouth. Like shut your right. pie hole. So maybe he just talks too much. I guess he called him a, a big gay mouth. <laughs> is that the breakdown? Maybe. I mean, it could be. Uh, if we ever be. meet uh, Chuck Lorre, it would be like, quick question. What do you That's mean by That's what this? we ask him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, you guys can ask me one question about sitcoms. Excuse me, sir. You, you have want. a storied career in the sitcom industry, creating so many timeless shows and writing on uh, countless others. But in episode one of Grace Under Fire Pilot, we're just wondering why the boss decided to call Carl a big flaming pie hole inside the actor's studio. Yeah, we did James Lipton here. R.I.P. <laughs> He then asked the two women, like, what do you prefer to be addressed by? And the girl, Wanda, the other one, is, um, she gives a pretty normal answer. And Grace goes, normal. No, she said, like, Mrs. whatever. Well, she's like, and then when we get, like, more comfortable with each other and we're on a first name basis, you can call me Wendy or whatever, or Wanda. And, um, she leans a little bit more on, like, the feminist side. Like, we'll see, like, with the later responses she has, but. Uh, Grace decides um, she'd like to be addressed as Throbbing Mattress Kitten, which the guys were pretty pumped about. I think she's winning them over by playing their game. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Sure, she's one of the guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. She's one she of the guys. Because she follows up by saying, like, hey, listen. Um, she introduces herself by her actual name, and she's like, all I really ask is that if you treat me with respect, I'll treat you with respect. And then, you know, if we all end up in the shower together, then God help us all. And I think what's smart here for her character is she's establishing she doesn't want special treatment, just respect. So, yeah. like, it doesn't have to be like, hey, the girl's working. Just forget the fact that I'm a girl. Just respect me as a human being, and then we're fine. It doesn't matter if I'm a girl or a boy. It just show me respect, and then the rest of it kind of works itself out. I think that was a really smart approach, and she has shown – Already on multiple occasions that she can joke around with the boys and that's kind of her style anyway. She's not conforming her style of joke to fit in. That's just kind of who she truly is. Yeah, like this is a good job for her, a good fit, because she is that person. She's always making those jokes anyway, so she's going to get along with them. And she's not like putting on an an act for it. And then in that moment, one of the uh, like an older gentleman who works there comes in looking for Grace 
And apparently her son got in a fight at the school and needs to head over. So she asked her boss if she can take a quick break. He's like, break, you, you haven't even started yet. And she's like, no, this is an important thing. Like, I have to go to my son's school. He's like, well, unfortunately, like, if you have to go, like, we're going to replace you. And then Carl and all the other guys, I guess she's won them over, kind of stand up and kind of turn all this sensitivity stuff around. He's like, hey, you know, it's not very sensitive if you're not letting her go and take care of a family matter. And then someone's like, you let Phil go and his wife died. And it's like, well, that's because Phil shot her. That's <laughs> such a <laughs> like, great fucking joke. My favorite joke in the entire episode. That was great. It like, caught me off guard. I yeah. love when you get caught off guard and laugh at something. You're like, you just so did not dark. expect the writing to go there. There's a lot of really dark, cryptic shit in this whole episode. It yeah, was there very is. Very strange. I was I mean, this definitely feels like a more adult sitcom than the other stuff of the t- Except for Roseanne, right? Because Roseanne always felt very adult as well. Yeah. But it feels way more in line with Roseanne than like a full house or a step by step or something. So oh, yeah. 100%. Where do you guys lean on this though? It's her first day. She's just starting a job. It hasn't even started and she already has to leave. You're that boss. What do you do? It's a tough situation, right? Because donuts. There's nothing you can do about it. She has to leave because of a school thing. That's like a red flag. Is but it is a red flag. Like, like, oh, is this going to happen a lot? But it's such like a weird, bad timing situation. It could be yeah. the only time that ever happens to her. It's really, it's one of those, what are you going to do? I think you let her leave and then you just kind of keep that in your memory bank. And then if this is something that's happening once or twice a week, and then you're like, listen, we can't, this isn't going to work out. I was watching the episode. I was struggling with like, what would I do? (laughs) I think you have to let her go in this one case and then you just kind of track it for the future. Yeah, you absolutely have to let her go. I mean, it's her child. She's going to leave one way or another, right? Like if you don't give her permission, she's just going to quit. And then I guess... His perspective, it is a temp job. We can just get another temp here. It's, it's, she's not, like, on the books yet. And in a situation sure, like but- that, too, as far as we know, there's no one really else who can go. Right? Like, so if you had a situation like that where if somebody – I had to go do something and I couldn't because I was at work, right? Like, yeah. you have people around you who could go do it. But we think she just moved there. Yeah, and she's a single she's mom. She's got one friend. Yeah. Like, and it's a kid. Like, I think you have to let the leeway go there. And like you said, Jay, like, if it happens multiple times, you obviously have to – it's an issue, but – also, that means that kid is causing some fucking ruckus at school, like, right at nine in the morning because they're not even starting their work yeah. day yet. And then from their standpoint, if you really think about it, too, like, this is a place that just hired two women because they needed to hire women because they had done there. And then how many people at the temp place have, like, women who want to work at this oil refinery? Like, the, the it's probably slim pickings to begin with. So maybe just yeah. see what happens. So now the boss tells her, like, okay, I'll let you leave, but you owe me big time. And then you get all the guys like, ooh. <laughs> He's like, no, not like an, like a sexual way. He's like, I didn't mean it like that. And then um, just tells Grace, you know, bring in a box of donuts on the way back and we'll call it even. That seems like a fair and, trade to me. Yeah. That, then, is, that is the fair trade that you make with the man. Fair trade. And it could have ended there. And then they decided to kind of end the scene on a weird note after she leaves. He's talking to one of the guys and going, I'm, I miss when you could just pinch them on the butt. <laughs> it's like, okay. yeah, yeah, that that shouldn't have been in there. One line too many. Yeah. Could have just ended it on the donut thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. Think, oh, this, he's a good guy. And then it's like, oh, no, he's a sleaze. Man, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, really make yeah. you build up liking him and then make you crash right down again. JK. So now in the next scene, Grace is at the school, um, like in the nurse's office where Quentin is. And she's reprimanding uh, reprimanding him about the fight. It's like the third one he's been in recently. And apparently, like, some kid at school called Quentin a wuss, and it made him mad. 
and Grace is like, well, are you going to hit me if I ever make you mad? He's like, no, of course not. I'm not like dad. And the whole like studio audience wow. just goes, ooh. Like, yeah, the tenor like, of this show shifts deflated, Deflated the room instantly. Like, and it was like a big, as I'm watching it, like, oh shit. Like, that's a big topic. And we've said this before with other shows. It's, I, a, a lot of sitcoms tackle big issues and they should because it's a good way to like bring this stuff out but on pilots it's like a big thing to like when you're getting to know these characters and you're just trying to like have a little fun watching the show it's really tough to bring in stuff like that we did a couple months ago right we did like the mccarthy's and there was like death and they're at a wake and you're like this is heavy for episode one yeah not that it can't happen or shouldn't happen what did we cover cover when the sun was like Blossom. Blossom, Blossom. Right. Oh, Blossom, yeah. It, it Blossom was, the same was thing way too. too dark. So yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, between your two examples, like, Blossom was, like, super dark. And the McCarthy's, that was kind of a lighthearted death. Yes, but it was still... Yeah, like, weird, what was his name? Fatty yeah. or whatever? I like, didn't have as much of a problem with The Wake as you did for that no, show. I didn't either. I didn't I wasn't think that, that was that show, big but... of a deal at all. I mean, it was well, funny the whole time. It, like, they did it... keep it more comedic. I just don't think that's the way to introduce characters because you're not – you're watching them, like, out of a situation that, like, isn't natural. So it was just kind of – I don't know. I just think you need to have, like, a straight-up episode first. But we've talked about the McCarthy's and Blossom. And for those of you fairly new to us, go back and listen to those. We did them both fairly recently. So, again, check those out. Grace asks her son, like, what did you mean by that? And he's like, I would never hit you. This is when she's realizing that he's known. And this is something that she was trying to hide from the kids. And again, it takes like a very hard tone shift because the acting is very serious at this point, too. He asks, is this like the real reason you got divorced? And she's telling him, yeah, I was just I was so tired of being scared all the time. She eventually gets him to admit that he was a little scared, too. And they do bond over this. Um, a, It was a good like for to see the characters like on the like the parental like um standpoint like they they worked really well together. This was one of those like we mentioned how this Quentin only exists for the pilot episode and I was like this kid's pretty good. Like I don't know if there was other reasons they decided to go another way or if something happened with him. But I was like this kid's pretty good and they have good chemistry and the, the acting's good. Like I don't know why they decided to go away from him after this episode. A weird thing for this, too, though, is you've now made the dad character a supervillain anytime you bring him up. And he's going to eventually show up because he's these kids' dad, right? Right. And the actor they get to play him later on is Jeff Pearson from Unhappily Ever After, the dad from that show, right? Like a super funny, like from Dexter, right? Like a guy rules. And I remember being a kid and being like, oh, he's like the funny, quick-talking ex-husband or whatever. And now I'm like... Oh, they set it up that you know he's also hitting her? Like, that's a weird yeah. hole to dig yourself out of if you ever want to bring that character into a comedy. You can't put the two toothpaste back in that tube. Yeah. Like, that's, right. uh, you're yeah, never exactly. Gonna... And the way they describe it in this scene, too, it's not like it was like a one-off. And she said, you know what? I'm out. It was yeah, like no, a, a she was thing. enduring it for a while. So, yeah, to then bring the that character abuser. In, yeah, the way, down the, the road. The way you can get around that later, though, is you say when they were together, he was an alcoholic, and now he's clean. Well, that's, something I like assume, that. and, and I don't it remember, be, yeah. but that's definitely how they have to attack that at that point. He has to come in and be in recovery and be good now and apologize for what he's done. 
but yeah, it's it's still tough to like that's still on that character at that point and tricky. Again, it's just a really tough topic to deal with. And and again, I think it's good to discuss these things on shows. It just um, Not you could pilots. feel the mood shift. And for the pilot episode, maybe I would have held off on that a little bit. They were trying to give you some backstory. And now Grace asks, like, does Libby know too? And he's like, no, Libby's stupid. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, it kind of closed out with her just reminding him, like, you know, moving forward, the only acceptable time to hit anyone is, you know, if you have to defend yourself. And when she goes to leave the room, he asks, um, hey, the boy that I got in the fight with, he told me he's going to kick me in the testicles. Um, I thought this is a really weird joke. Yeah. And he's like, where is that? And she just says that, like, she used to know where they were. Like, it's a weird kind of sex joke. Another sex joke. Also, kind like of a weird way, scene, like... They just didn't need to end this way, too. It could have ended on the, like, you tell me, and you don't... You defend yourself only, blah, blah, blah. It could have gone to the next scene without this joke. Yeah, I think a lot of times on these shows, when you go heavy, they try to end it on a joke to, like, raise the mood back. But you don't always have to do that. And if you're going to do make that, make it a good joke. Make it a joke yeah, that exactly. lands. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, testicles. <laughs> listen, we all have such childish humor. Um, and like, if a testicles joke doesn't land with us, it wasn't that funny. No. Yeah, if it didn't hit anybody here, that's not a good sign. No. It just made me now, think if of they like want a, to... a way at Roman god, like a Greek god. I was just going to say, if they... I was going to say, if they want to make a Roman or Greek god testicles, then. So um, from there, yeah. Grace is getting ready for her date, uh, the, flashing forward, and Nadine's in a room with her, and they're talking, and Nadine says that she thinks Russell could be Mr. Right. Grace says, the last guy you said that about, I ended up marrying, and he turned out to be Mr. Right Hook. And I was like, Oof. oh. Yeah. We can't joke about that just yet. How does, and, how does that not come up the whole episode? It comes up the scene before, and now it comes up again. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like every other joke. I thought it was that weird that the it. audience laughed. And now, it could have been canned laughter because like, you got that like dark moan from them a minute earlier, and I don't think that they would all laugh about the right hook joke. And they immediately have to dump like a funnier joke after it, too, where it's like... He threw a lawnmower at my car, which is like a funny visual <laughs> gag joke you see in your head. Yeah. But you don't want to laugh at that guy doing that because he's Mr. Right Hook. Yeah, so he's joke's a fucking also monster. Not, yeah. He's an work alcoholic again, wife beater. Yes. Like, it's, yeah. It's, again, this, heavy, is, it heavy. Makes, it, this is making our show heavy. Right. Yeah. It's like it's a weird line <laughs> when you have to that talk about That is not what our show is supposed to be here. No, yeah. this is not what our show is about. And um, Grace asks how she looks. And Nadine tells her it's conservative yet horny. I was like, I don't know about that outfit looking remotely horny. It was like, it's a very like big flowy, like completely. I don't know. It, I don't know how to describe it because I don't know women's clothing enough to describe the pieces, but it didn't come off horny. I'll tell you that. It didn't track as horny for me either. Yeah. Conservative though. Conservative yet conservative. Yeah. And then as Nadine's leaving, cause she has work, uh, Grace asks again, like, are you sure I look okay? She's like, you're acting like a 16-year-old that's never been kissed. She's like, I'm from Alabama. By the time you're 16, you've been kissed. Like, insinuating the in, in the way she's delivered it that they've, they've done much, much more by that point. Which they can't not help a button joke, too, where she's like, but relatives don't count. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> like, like, we're leaving like, again on a weird blah. thing now? Yeah. yeah. It's 
show no, really before took a turn in the second Before half. your husband beat you, yeah. you fucked your cousin. Waka waka waka, really waka have a good a, date. The moment the kid brings up, like, how the father hit her, like, this, it was just Pandora's like, box. It just, <laughs> yeah. just, you're rumbling at this point. Like, your traction's off. You can't get back, like, right on the track at this point. We cut to Russell and the kids sitting there watching cartoons together because the babysitter's uh, late. And um, they're watching Yogi. And he's trying to, like, cut tension by asking Libby, like, how come he wears a hat and a tie but doesn't have any pants? It's like, he's not real. I was like, Quentin's just wearing a dinosaur face mask? Yes, for no reason. Yes. For no reason. So now uh, the doorbell rings and it's the babysitter who's with her boyfriend who's, like, this typical 90s dumb guy I like rock character but he has that like kind of surfer inflection in his voice and he, he also looks, like, looks a, uh, exactly like Anthony Kiedis he does <laughs> yes he does yeah yeah. these dudes look like they were at the casting call for airheads and showed up I like would, five was, minutes too late and they were like we got a role was, for you guys I was gonna, I was ask, gonna say that because I knew Gordo was gonna go with something else but um, no I was gonna go with airheads no I mean when when I said Anthony Kiedis yeah. I knew you had something else in the bank but yeah he, he's like he's kind of the uh He's like, did you know that they make beer and flavors now? And, uh, he's he's don't. made even more annoying yeah. by being a microbrew dickhead, but in 1993. Well, <laughs> okay. Sorry we, sorry we don't all enjoy the uh, the finer things, like just a, a nice glass of whiskey and water, you freakish old man. <laughs> Sparkling water. It's bubbly. Oh, bubbly whiskey. Everyone's favorite. It's so, delicious. <laughs> We all listen, know as, Joe drinks a champagne of beers. That's true. I'm a high life man. So, um, when it comes to this isn't high life. Though. Yeah, this is water. <laughs> when he, when it comes to flavored beers, uh, that's not like so much a thing, especially in the '90s. Whatever he's, he's probably talking about, like a, I don't know what he's talking about. A Zima, like a Mike Tart. Like yeah, he's not talking about actual beer. Yeah, Zima, or maybe like a Bartles and James, like a wine cooler. Yeah. Oh, what about those like. What is it, Sutter Home? Remember they used to make the little, like, the little wine? Wines? Yeah, the little, like, four packs of wines. Whatever it is, he's not talking about, like, flavored beer. He's a big idiot. Um, But Grace's, I like that as soon as they speak, she just shuts the door on them. It's like, nope. Uh, no dialogue from her to them. She just shuts the door. And she's like, I can't have Sid and Nancy watching my kids. Um... Joe, did you take exception? Because they don't give off even remote Sid and Nancy vibes. Yeah, I love the reference point, but there's that's very bad. Uh, yeah. Like, if you were like, I don't want Tommy Lee and Pamela watching my kids, that's a more accurate. Or Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear, or David Coverdale and uh, Tony Katane. I don't get Sid and Nancy vibes. So now Russell's like, well, you know what? Maybe we can do this another time. And Grace is like, well, you know, we both went through all the trouble and effort to get ready. Like, we might as well not waste it. And offers to just, like, make dinner there. And part of that conversation that they're having, she she does mention that she shaved her legs for this. She's wearing long pants. So is she just insinuating that she was going to make boom boom with them if they had gone out for, on a oh, date? She's been insinuating that the whole night. Yeah, yeah I feel like if Grace, she went on the date and this guy was only half okay, she was going to go home with them. Like, just because she yeah. needs to get her, her rocks off, you know? She needs that she half She's got a nut. She's got a nut. So now Libby asks Grace if she can tell her a secret. And Grace is like, you know, it's rude to tell secrets with other people in the room. You know, just tell me what you're thinking. And she says, that man has a fat butt. <laughs> Why? 
why do you have to make Dave Thomas embarrassed about his butt size? What is the point of this joke? It was very. Also, I, I don't. I don't get that logic. We can't have secrets, so just say it in front of everyone. Like what terrible this? idea for children who say yeah, terrible dumb say, things. Yeah, bad idea for a child to tell a child that. So, yeah, it was strange, and then. Now we cut to the two having dinner on the back porch, which was like a nice little setup. They're on the back porch at a little table at a candle. And uh, he's like, this food is delicious. Like, what is it? He's like, it's mac and cheese with hot dog chunks in it. It's like, okay. I get that your wife never you, cut, huh? like cooked for you, but like, um, you couldn't identify that by looking at it? Are you just making small talk? Now, I know that's a thing. I've never had a lover it. of mac and cheese and hot dogs, I have never had that. I've never had, I've had it. I've had it. It's um, it's what you make food. for children. It's, yeah, it's, what you would expect. It's not like a delicacy or anything. It's just <laughs> I don't think really I would like salty. It. Yeah, I like. I've made both the things. same together. I've made hot dogs and mac and cheese, but yeah, never mixed separately. them together because I don't want to waste an opportunity for mustard. I feel like a hot dog is too strong a taste, and it would just take over the whole mac and cheese, ruining it. It's not something I'd want. You you want to cut a little bacon into it? I'll do bacon mac and cheese. But I have that issue with bacon too. Bacon overpowers any dish you make. I love doing. I know Ferg's gonna cringe at this, but like broccoli florets. Oh, and, you're right. Oh yeah, and <laughs> mac and cheese is so good. I'll broccoli say is this: good mac and cheese. As far as overpowering goes, that's why I don't like to do lobster mac and cheese. Now I'll say this: Oh, me too. I like I like lobster. I love lobster, and I'm a big fan of mac and cheese. And I don't think that lobster mac and cheese tastes bad, but I think it's a waste of lobster. If I'm going to pay all this money for lobster, I'm not going to put cheese all over it. <laughs> I want to taste the lobster. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. It's the same thing with, um, oh, God, there's another dish, too, that people do with lobster, and it's equally as gross. Lobster roll? Lo- yeah, raviolis, <laughs> too. It's similar. Lobster ravioli, don't like it. To me, like, I'm a classic. Give me a lobster roll. I love lobster. Yeah, if no, I'm I gonna pay too. lobster prices, I want to taste lobster. Like that is the point. No, I only I'm like you. lobster claw, and I only like it lobster claw, like <laughs> out of out of the shell. Like I don't want it on a lobster roll. I don't want anything like that. I just want lobster claw meat and some butter, and I'm good. You don't. You can't do the tail. I don't like the tail. It's a consistency thing. It's too like um, like uh, stringy. I don't like it. You would have to okay. buy like two dozen lobsters to like. Meet your appetite if you're only. I know it's. That's the other, I mean, well, luckily or you go to eat with someone that only likes tail, and you switch. That's the mm. thing is most people enjoy the tail, so I never really have a problem finding somebody who's yeah. like, "You want to take my whole tail? I'll take your two claws." Like it's, <laughs> and I'm good after four claws. Like I'm not stuffing myself on lobster. That one's tough because it's also a part of the lobster. Like people, I mean, my assumption is that's a part of lobster people eat all the time. But it's not like if you're like, I love cow tongue. Where like if you go to a bakery, be like, get a cow <laughs> yeah. tongue. They're like, yeah, we've got seventy of them because we killed seventy cows. Then nobody yeah. wants the tongue, so you can have them all. There's like a weird story about the Undertaker and Yokozuna deep frying like, is it like chicken anuses? And that Yokozuna <laughs> would just be popping them in his mouth over and over again. I was thinking of a weird food thing that popped in my mind, like. That's one of those things. When you chop up all the parts of the chicken everybody wants, they're like, well, we got this bucket of anuses. And Yokozuna walks in and he's like, load them up. Here's a 20. I'm going to assume it's not that. <laughs> I think it's, it's chicken anuses. Those two I'm words together I have my so doubts, weird. But yeah, we, we can go, we'll look that up go with that. Yeah. Not on my work computer. So um, this once again turns into them just talking about their exes. And... 
they decide that they're going to just both put a dollar down and make a bet on whose ex is worse, and they just start swapping stories. Why did they have to do this? Because all Grace had to say was, he beat me. I don't know if that would... Yeah. I'm glad she didn't. I'm glad she realized her character realized it's not good first date material. Yeah, not the... Not maybe for the date. But again, I still said, I don't think you should keep talking about your ex on dates. Um, I agree, agree. That's all they talk about. I I thousand percent agree, but they both seem to only want to be doing it. So I think this is like, well, here's here's one thing too. When they're swapping stories, one of the ones that he goes with is like, she gained a hundred something pounds and grew a mustache. That doesn't make her a bad person. So that's a really tough one to use as an excuse. (laughs) Yeah. So um, like all the other stuff, the materialistic stuff he talked about was fine. But like that one's like, also, her Again, bringing a dog like on vacation is pretty normal by yeah. like today's standards. I know maybe not in the nineties. Yeah, hers not were in your all honeymoon. better. Um, <laughs> she mentions that he has he moves his lips while reading a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I thought she said stocks. No stop signs. No, he's not a smart <laughs> guy who's what, watching what like, the Dow Jones index changing. I thought he was like reading like the Wall Street Journal and like reading. Is that like, how the you ticker. perceive that character from everything else you've heard about him? <laughs> no, that's why I thought it was <laughs> yeah. kind of funny because why would this dumbass be reading like stock tickers? No, Maybe that's why he's so angry. He's so bad at it because he's not smart. When he gets angry, he gets punchy. I don't get these numbers. <laughs> and then also mentions Ooh, that dark. he wouldn't let the kids watch Star Trek because there's a colored girl on it. I was yeah, like, that's the one. Yeah, yeah quote, there we go. Joe, again, you mentioned, like, this character eventually joins the show, and now he's, like, a a woman-beating, racist, like... Cannot be redeemed. Yeah, like, it's too much. Like, even if you go, like, I'm sober now, it's like, nah, there's a line. The racism isn't a sober... Yeah, the racism thing would be, like, (laughs) if you're drunk and you're racist, that means that you're drunk when you're sober and you're quiet about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not like, uh, I was drinking and things were bad. Like, that's that's not... It's a hard-to-redeem character. Plus, no matter how racist you are, you're going to be attracted to Ohara. She's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, can't believe I know who it is you're talking about and agree. That's who he's talking about. I don't know much about Star Trek. I don't, I have to look it up. But, That's the original uh, Star Trek. My brain immediately it. went to he was thinking yeah. about Star Trek TNG because that was more of the time. But <laughs> so it's Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> it's Whoopi Goldberg. Or he's so drunk that he thinks Worf is a girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's way funnier. So, um, so she wins. She wins the dollar there, and um, also Whoopi R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, so we, she uh, she brings up to him like you know, just sitting here on you know in the back porch with another grown up having dinner and talking is like you know this is the most fun I've had in months. And he's like, yeah, me too. Um, too bad we have to trash our exes to have something to talk about. And I'm like, okay, so he's addressing it. Well, that's good, I guess, that they realize yeah. that that's all they talk about. But then they pause and go, double or nothing, and then just start talking about their exes again. I think it sets up, though, that, like, look, they're not a compatible... If it's a mutual thing, then it doesn't matter, right? Like, if it's I one know, person it's just... who is ca- who is uh, doing nothing but that, then it's strange. But if they're both doing it, I mean, it's still weird, but it's better, at least. I think we're both of the mind that they're both recently divorced. That's usually a sign that the attraction is still there, though. And you don't want that because that tells me, like, she's not going to go back because she got beat and all that stuff. But it's he'll yes. go back to the mustached, like, fat woman that, like, he explained. Like, the in a thing second. is, yeah, you're 
So, like, when that happens, even if you're only saying negative things, what you are telling the person that you're on a date with is that my ex is still on my mind. So, even if it's bad things, it's that I haven't moved past the situation and I'm still talking about it. I'm going to slight disagree here, Jay. You are single. You meet a girl, right? You're on a date. You should never be talking about your exes. That's no good, right? This is a different situation. These are people who both just got out of long-term relationships, and this woman's got three kids with them. This guy's going to be in the life. So you're right. also mentioning that he sucks to this guy because if you start dating, hey, guess what? This shitty guy's going to be around sometimes. He's the kid's, hey, guess what? Graduation day, racist guy who hates O'Hara is going to be there too, right? So I think it's situationally I, different. No, I, know I just he think does there's a line. Because you said it earlier. I know he does pop up later on the show, but... I'm to understand that she moved from where they were to Missouri, right? So maybe yeah. he's supposedly just out of the picture completely, so he but wouldn't be at all. And all it's just that. a thing that, like, still, this is when they first met in their first date. So, yes, eventually you're going to tell him about your ex and some stories and things are going to come up, but it doesn't have to be on the first date. Yeah, why can't they say, hey, what's your favorite movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's called Rocky. He's got a great right punch. Like, Let's have my ex-husband. Like, whoa, lady, come on. What's the next Aww. question going to be like? Oh, and then um, who'd you vote for? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about religion? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just like one of those things. What are your thoughts on abortion? Let's get this yeah. all on the table on the first yeah. date. So, um, isn't there a rule? Religion and politics. Kind of, it's. I thought it was like Ford. Like... The the acronym is like Ford or something. I remember found it's on like road friends, dead. relatives, occupation, dreams. That's what you should talk about. Yeah, I was gonna say that's okay, a weird off limits list because you we were don't talk about your dreams about. and family. <laughs> like, what, no, no, no. What that's what, that's that? the topic you should stick to. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. I thought you were talking from the opposite angle. I'm like, yeah. why would I not talk about my dreams and family? Do you have family? I, I, I don't talk about that. that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. That's a red flag. I don't, <laughs> you don't that. talk no, about no, dreams because no, but... that's when you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather talk about stuff when I'm awake. <laughs> but um, <laughs> now we get to the last scene and Grace is putting the baby to bed and Quentin walks in and asks why his little sister gets to stay up as late as him. And she says, because little girls are cute and get whatever they want. And when he says that that's not fair... She says, well, that's because little girls grow up to be women, and then they're punished for the rest of their lives. And This felt very much like a Roseanne yeah. uh, dialogue. And they head over to the his and Libby's room, and she's tucking the two in, and Libby's expressing concern that if her mom marries Russell, that her new name is going to be Libby Fatbutt. Um, <laughs> Poor Dave Thomas. Why? <laughs> The, the the son's right. She's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she acknowledged that he had a fat butt. I don't know why she then thought that that was his name. And then uh, Quentin again asked for a BB gun. And he's a little over-obsessed with that gun situation. Um, but we've established that he's definitely a serial killer. So No red flags there at all. Yeah. After Grace shuts the light and leaves, Libby asks her brother if he wants to hear something really weird and tells... Him that a girl at school's mom married another lady. Now she has two moms and had to read a book about it. And then Quentin's like, 
yeah, we're lucky to live in a normal house. And she's like, yeah, we have one parent like everyone else. 90s! Like, yeah, I'm like, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is a weird wow. of the time thing. Such a Wow. So, weird okay, way to end it. Real weird. It was like, okay, so I can understand two kids being like, oh, two two women are married. That's weird. But then to pivot with the like, yeah, we're we're lucky. We live in a normal house with one parent like everybody else. It was just like a, just a weird tone. Some of these jokes didn't completely land. There's a lot of like framework that you can make the argument that it's the time. But with that last line, it's like, what about all the family of like with like divorced parents and or dead parents, uh, people that just have one one uh, living parent? Like it live with their grandparents, so that, live like, with yeah. aunts and uncles. There's like all That's different like scenarios. A fuck yeah. you to a lot of people. Not a yeah. good way to go. Well, they were saying that they live in a normal house because they have just one parent. Like that yeah, that's normal. It's normal to days. them. Oh. Yeah, that's normal to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. <clears throat> Never. So they're mind. not trash. They, yeah, they're not trash. No, they're trashing they're the two women. They're trashing the the LGBT couple, saying uh, that's weird. But it's weird to them as children because they don't know any better. They're not saying it in like a bad way. Yeah, they no, just but never... that's how it's coming off. Like. I would say well, later kids. on, there is a weird spinoff. Like, you know, like they used to love doing the episodes or like the crossovers. We've talked about a bunch of them before. There is a Grace Under Fire crossover with the Drew Carey show and Ellen. And I think it was mm. after it might have been after the Ellen episode where she comes out as gay. Okay. So I mean, that, I mean, that TV show was basically only about that after that. So maybe that's a way to oh, yeah, uh, the, circle the whole show teams. Yeah. Co-starring Jeremy Piven. It's kind of one of those shows I was uh, I was thinking about that recently because it popped up looking up Grace Under Fire stuff and I was like, oh, we we do need to cover that eventually. Jeremy Piven of PCU. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, party. there's a tie. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Bring it all back home. But yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, the show ends on a really weird note. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that I bring up other than, like, for me, it's just again, it's just so funny that it took us so long to do the show. And we, for those of you who listen to us all the time, we're always bringing up shows and like, gonna add it to the list, gonna add it to the list, and then. The list is super long. It's a very, very long list. It also doesn't really exist. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a list in our head. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what happens too is we always go to do a round of picks. And then by the time you pick something, I'll have all these shows written down on a list of like, oh, I, I need to pick this one, this one, this one. Like, I have a bunch of shows written down like in my phone on a note like for when it's my turn to pick. And I almost always pivot and just choose something that was never on my list to begin with. Yeah. And um, so then shows like this just kind of like fall behind and you forget about them. And But here we are finally covering it. There'll be shows I want to do and I'll go, no, Nick will pick it or one of you will pick it. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say is this this has kind of been the the example of that where I think someone has thought that somebody uh, else yeah. would pick it. I'll say this show specifically, there's so many times I'm like, what, we've talked about it so many times, someone's going to pick it. And then I just don't because I thought someone else would. I thought Joe would have picked this show like months and months and months. I'm surprised ago. I haven't. Yeah, it's always it's on my list and I always just it never really pops up. I'm just, I can't believe I picked weird shows like Major Dad before this, you know. When he found <laughs> out that Brett Butler was only 35, he was like, you know what? I, I <laughs> Call me in 10 years, Brett. Yeah, not not quite. That's yeah, true. No, Crazy though that this show went a hundred plus episodes, five. It got canceled mid season, but like, there's the whole background about Brett Butler being like this crazy addict, really tough to work yeah. with, and the the three Quentins and um, what's her name? Julie is it Julie White? Is I think yeah, the name, the she friend? left the show. She left because, because of Brett. Of it. But then that's it. 
like they went five years, a hundred plus episodes, and there's like no other info on this show besides the obvious like crazy shit yeah. that happened, but there's not much else. I Probably feel like... because she was such a nutcase to work with. What what kind of fun stories? Yeah, people can just showed up and then worked went and home. went home. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah it, I think what happens too is because of all that, people probably didn't want to like. It, it doesn't get a lot of syndication now, and it does, it's not talked about because that stink that's on it because like it ended in the way it did and with all that stuff. And then because it's not like fresh in anyone's brains anymore, it just kind of like fades away with time. So a show like this that was so popular in its run is now like nearly forgotten about, which is it's it is kind of crazy. But a lot of that is just product of everything that was happening. It's hard in the world of syndication now, right? Where like some stuff still syndicated. Most people don't have regular TV on in the background anymore. You're curating what you watch. So you see a lot less of this stuff, right? Where like. Like I said, we used to watch this after school because it was what was on. It was just on after TV, school, yeah. so you watched it. It was good and it was fine. And I will say that I recommend everybody go and watch that episode of Dark Side of Comedy with Brett Butler because she goes through all of this stuff and like how she sort of came out the other end. I've wanted to watch them again. and it's, I just really I good. forget because and we were actually off air talking about Dark Side of the Ring and I love all of those and it's the same people and I just haven't gotten around to watching those. Yet. Different people. It's not. Um, was no, it the same just, like production team? It's totally like different idiot. people, yeah. Really? There's also like a dark side of the '90s, which is not them either. I know they did. There's a dark side of football. Oh, yeah, I thought it's... like I thought they like the people who originally made Dark Side of the Ring were at least executive producers and just kind of like, f- do they formulate them the same? Like, do they have the same vibe? I prefer these the dark are... side of the force. No, because these are much yeah. more like clip heavy of real clips and stuff. But there Ooh. is some like reenactment stuff. Interesting. I prefer Dark Side of the Moon. Ooh, nobody prefers thing. that. Not my thing. But she's back acting again, too, now. So she's, like, doing stuff again. So I think she's, like, come out the other side of it, which is good. She's actually in The Walking Dead as Tammy Sutton. Oh, interesting. I don't want to tell you guys, but (laughs) I just got married. And now uh, now I'm a polygamist, so I'm going to jail. Now that she's the right age, you went for it. I had to wait 30 years. Well, with that being said, I don't know if there's much else to talk about with this show. Um, I don't know if there's anywhere we can watch it via streaming. You mentioned earlier. That's got to be on Hulu. It's like um, Fubo or Freebie, one of those ones. Okay. So it, it somewhat exists there. And, um, and it does exist. It's one of the rare shows that did get like a full, like, buy the whole box set on DVD yeah. releases, too. So, like, they're out there. If I'm at Walmart and I see the box set, I want to grab it. I would love to rewatch this. This reminded me a lot of Reba, which we rewatched all of last summer. Yeah, that was kind of my, like, in my head, it's almost that, it's like Reba meets Roseanne is yeah. kind of where this kind of falls. Like, two shows I absolutely love, so this yeah. is kind of, you know, right in the middle. So, um, so with that being said, <laughs> we might as well get into the Green cancels. And, um, all right, uh, Nick, starting with you. Uh, I'll say the, I, I've been... Back and forth on this one all day uh, since watching it and now discussing it. I'll say the first half, maybe a little more than half of this show, was a was a pretty hard cancel. I mean, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I, she was a bit much. Wasn't really into the chemistry between her and the kids. I thought it was weird. But then, I, you know what I think it was, honestly, was Dave Thomas, like, I don't know, I really liked their chemistry and maybe the potential with them um, and the friend there, Julie White's character, I liked. 
uh, even though she was she was on it briefly. I, it kind of came around. I'm gonna green light it. It's not my most solid green light I've ever had, but I don't think there's enough to cancel it. And I think there's, um, I don't know, enough intrigue to give it the green light. Joe. Yeah. So again, try to you know distance yourself from shows when you're just covering the pilot. Um, I kind of again the opposite of Nick. I liked the beginning of this show much more than the second half because I think they kind of hammered in a little bit too much on some of the dark stuff, which again I just didn't think is the best move for a pilot. Um, I do really think it's a smart idea to set up a love connection that doesn't go well, but then you keep the character around as a super close friend. Usually, you don't see that in shows like this. They either have a long term relationship and the character goes away like Roseanne like somebody like Booker on Roseanne um or you know it's one date and it's like what a terrible date I had and that's the whole episode and they're gone then so I love that I mean Dave Thomas made me laugh so much I had a, a few good genuine laughs in this I'm really really excited to uh actually rewatch this whole series uh it's a green light for me very funny Gordo yeah like Nick I, I was back and forth on this I actually really enjoyed the first half. I thought it was funny, standard 90s kind of sitcom. Once it hit, oh, not, no pun intended, but like once the second half hit, it just like went downhill and it just like, it just didn't recover for me. It was just too dark too quick for too long like you, you, there's no kind of coming back from that and for the same reason why i canceled blossom was it got dark real quick i don't want to see anything else this isn't full house this isn't like you know other shows have tackled subjects like this better but they don't do it in the pilot I don't want to see that kind of stuff in a pilot. It reminded me of a coach and like Blossom and like those I'm going to have to cancel this. Bert. I'm actually, I agree with Gordo. Uh, this was like the tale of two sitcoms. Like the first half was a typical sitcom. And once it like, it hit that like dark moment and it just never recovered. It, it got, it didn't just get dark, but the jokes got bad. Like, they all went on a little too long, and it was just slowly pushing me away. And I was pretty close to, like, greenlighting it. Like, and it's just even talking with you guys, it, it just filled me with a little more disdain for the show. And I really didn't like the son one bit. Like, <laughs> just his character sucked. You know, if they just ended at the half point, it would be a green light. But, you know, they kept going, so cancel. All right, so um, I'm finding myself in a tiebreaker situation, and I'll be honest, I've been conflicted about it since I watched it. Again, it's there are a lot of things I like about it. So when they were at work and she's joking around, I liked it, the intro scene, some of the stuff. And it's funny because I do agree with, with most of you. It, it's funny because Nick didn't like the first half and liked it as it developed later, and I'm, and I'm with you guys where it kind of shifted and I thought, like, once once the series hit, it just kind of derailed. They couldn't kind of find their rhythm again after that. I don't know. It's, like, again, like, the what Joe was talking about with, like, the Dave Thomas stuff. And, like, that it's nice to have that dynamic where he stays on board. 
But for just this episode and not knowing anything else, all I know is that the love interest and her don't have any romantic chemistry. So I don't know that he's sticking around in a different role later on, just watching this. So I would say because of all that, I, I without the chemistry there and because of kind of the series hitting weird and a few jokes that didn't really land, um, I'm going to have to cancel it too. And I... I do remember liking the show, and I have interest to keep watching it just because of what I know outside of watching the pilot. So having remembered watching it in the past, and I, and I said earlier, I don't really remember storylines and stuff, but I remember enjoying the show. But I can't use that desire to watch more episodes, cloud the fact that I'm rating it on this episode. So um, even though it had its moments and there was some fun stuff here, I think in general, it just didn't, there wasn't enough. And there were moments, and this is never a good sign, when I'm watching the time, and I felt I was watching the time a little bit on this one, because it, it seemed to drag. It felt like more than 22 minutes. So um, with that, I'm, I'm canceling it also, which actually turns into a full cancel for Grace Under Fire. So sorry, you only had two out of five. Um, so I could be wrong. I'm checking now. Have we canceled the show in a while? I feel like a lot of them have passed recently. We've been on a positive streak. So. It, it's been a minute since Speak we gave something a canceled. So um, I guess we could do a quick search and find out the information on that. But yeah, in general, lately, we've been pretty upbeat. I don't know if it was like just because we were picking shows that we liked or what was going on. But we definitely had a little bit of a run recently. And the last time we canceled the show was the McCarthy's. Yeah. So, um, um, and then, um, like so and that, that was now like, but about two months ago, probably at this point. But I want to say that we've almost been unanimous in greenlighting. Yeah, we've had like a little shows. run of like fun shows. So, um, it's been a minute since we've canceled one. And then, uh, before that, Daddy Dearest, which everyone but Joe <laughs> canceled. <laughs> Is anybody surprised by that? No, no, not at all. But um, with that being said, again, sorry to Grace Under Fire. Um, you do not live on to see episode two with us. Uh, again, yeah, just two out of five. But that's it. That's it uh, for this week. Go to S1E1Pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to listen to us. Follow us on social media. Again, S1E1Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We tell you guys every week and we mean it. Hit us up. We like talking to you guys. It's really fun kind of finding out where our downloads are coming from. And, you know, everyone's really different and it, it's kind of crazy. I've said this before, you know, you think you have like a demographic and we just don't. We have people who are listening that are, of, you know, everything and from all different places. And it's really cool to talk to all you guys and find out how you found us. So, um, again, hit us up. <laughs> but thanks again. We'll catch you again next week with another new episode. Goodbye. I know we still have the best day of times. Yeah, his memory lives on in other Wendy's. Big Nader, notwithstanding. <laughs>